If not, turn with me to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to tell everyone I appreciate their patience with me last week as I struggled with my throat. And it turned out I had strep throat and uh, been on antibiotic and I'm feeling a lot better. But um, I appreciate that I have three waters up here. So I don't have to worry about that today. And I um, appreciate the prayers of God's people. I mentioned earlier about kicking old green teeth right in the knee. And um, that's the, the ultimate purpose of my my thoughts today and my heart is to do that. And uh, I want you to know I struggled a lot with this message. It's been on my heart for a while and I didn't quite know how to put it together. And um, this week as I sat down to study, I had just determined that I wasn't going to preach it and I was going to go a different direction. And I was studying over here and I'll just read one verse from the book of Colossians. I was studying over here in the first chapter of Colossians and I came across verse 24 and um, I've read read the book of Colossians no telling how many times, but um, it just stopped me in my tracks and I, I had to get back to this message that the Lord just won't remove from me. And uh, the verse here in Colossians 1.24, it says this, it says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. Which is the church. Paul was referencing of all of his sufferings, and we've talked about those at different times, all that Paul endured for the sake of the Lord. But ultimately the point that he was making there is he was making a point about the church and about how he himself as a member of the Lord's church and Christ the head of the church, that when Paul suffered persecution, when Paul was suffering in the flesh, when he, when Paul hurt, Christ felt it. Christ hurt. We are one body, the church. And if we are one body and if Christ is the head of that body, that means that when we hurt, Christ feels it. When we rejoice, Christ rejoices with us. He is a part of us. And we are a part of Him. For we are one body in Christ Jesus. Paul here in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he expands upon this idea of the church as a body. I want you to know that this doctrine as the church as a body, it's an important one. It's one that I believe in. It's one that I uphold as a doctrine of the Scriptures. And it's one that we see supported in different places throughout the Scriptures. Whether it's here in Corinthians, whether it was over in Colossians, or in in the letter to the Romans, or the letter to the Ephesians, we see Paul specifically affirming that the church of Christ is a body. That we are a body of baptized believers. There's two prerequisites to be a part of the body of Christ. You must be a believer. You must have had genuine conversion. A no-so salvation. You must have a time and a place where you have experienced the saving power of God. Y'all still believe that, don't you? thought so. Just wanted to make sure. And you must be baptized. You must have believer's baptism. Being fully immersed into the waters of baptism, representing Christ as He was lowered into the grave, but being raised to walk in the newness of life just as Christ Jesus was resurrected from that grave. And so you must have believer's baptism by full immersion in that watery grave. Those are the two prerequisites to be a member, to be a part of the body of Christ. Read with me here, and I don't plan to speak long upon this passage in particular. I've got some other things I need to say. But read with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Paul is covering both of the ordinances of the church. He's talking about baptism that unites us and how we also observe the Lord's Supper. We also observe communion where we eating and drinking together around the Lord's table have that same unity as one body in Christ. Verse 14, he says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Paul starts asking some rhetorical questions about the body. He says, If the foot says, I'm not the hand, so I'm, I'm less than, I'm down at the bottom, so I'm not part of the body, does that make the foot not a part of the body? Well, of course not, Paul. We all know that Feet are a part of the body, right? We, we've gone through those classes in school about the, the, the head bones connected to the neck bone and all that, right? He says, of course the foot's connected to the body. Verse 16 says, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the, bo- I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? He says that the ear and the eye are different. But does that somehow make them parts of different bodies? Of course not. We have ears and we have eyes and they are all on the same body. Paul's driving home with this display of imagery the nature of the body, that it has many members. If you've ever had a a child or held a newborn baby in your arms, you'll know what I'm talking about. You start counting all those fingers and those toes and you touch its little nose and you say, it's got your eyes. And you'll look at its ears and you'll say, oh no, it's got my ears. And all of these sorts of things because you look at these little babies and you see every part of their body. They are different, all these pieces of their body, but they are one little newborn. Paul is expressing a very elementary point here, isn't he? Many members, but one body. Then he says this in verse 17. He says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? He said, If we were only noses, how would we hear anybody? (laughs) Or if we were only eyes, how would we be able to smell? All of the parts of the body, they are many, and they are different, but they help to accomplish their purpose in the body. He says, but now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. (laughs) I want to stop there for a second. God, just as He has created this body, created you in His image and in His likeness, He has put everyone in this body together according to His design and according to His purpose. Isn't that cool? In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about it this way. He says that we are fitly framed together. He puts us together as an expert craftsman. As one who can't do wrong, but as one who can put us together in the right form and in the right shape to accomplish the purpose as it would please Him. Verse 19, it says, If they were all one member, where would be the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Paul is talking about, again, making reference to a physical body. And he's talking about how we might have weaker things about us. And we have those weaker things about us, we do well to try to take care of them. You heard me struggle last week with my, with my voice, with my throat, and you saw me drinking water, and I have a, a big stash of cough drops up here now to try to help with that in the future. When we have some weakness about us, when we have something that ails us, we are careful to pay attention to strengthen it. Right? That's the nature of what we do physically. Or if you have some part of you that is less comely, that is less attractive, you would do good to to try to adore it in a way to make it more attractive. To to, to make it better to present to other people. I'm not going to make any comment here. 
about makeup. But that's what makeup is for. <laughs> it tries to make uncomely things more comely. I better stop. But you get the point. That we are careful when it comes to making the things about us that might be less comely, less honorable, weaker, more feeble. Here's the King James puts it. We are careful to, to adore it, to strengthen it, to honor it, to do something that it might have a part in the body because it is a part of the body. Paul's making reference here to the physical flesh, but ultimately he's applying it and describing it to the spiritual body, which is the church. And he says, for our comely parts have no need. If you have these comely parts, you don't have any reason to, to try to honor them. They, they accomplish their purpose on their own. But God has tempered, He has composed, He has put the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism, that is, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. That is, members individually. And we'll stop there at verse 27. I hope you've been able to follow along with what Paul is describing about the nature of the flesh as he compares it to the nature of these spiritual bodies. We all are one body because we share in the same Spirit. We are one because we have one Lord. We are one because we have one faith. We are one because we have one baptism. That's what Paul told the Ephesian church. It is not we are one because we have the same common hobbies or the same common interests or the same common backgrounds. We are one because of Christ. We are one because of Him. His blood is what has made us one. We are united together in Christ Jesus. And if it is His blood that has made us one, and not us, not our hobbies, not our skills, not our talents, not our interests, if it is His blood that has made us one, then we are all at the same level. Isn't that cool? From the weakest among us to the strongest, from the youngest among us to the oldest, we are all one because we are all part of this one body. Just as my little pinky finger or my little pinky toe is part of this body, it is valued and it is necessary and it is needed. And if you don't think that's so, you stub your pinky toe sometime. And you'll realize that it hurts just like the rest of them. When it hurts, you pay special care to it. You help it to restore its strength. That you might be whole again. The weakest or least useful parts of the body still belong to the body and are as much a part of the body as the head. <laughs> and our head is Christ Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Little old me! <laughs> I get to be a part of the body of Christ. Let alone you. You get to be a part of the body of Christ. We get take in two new members today. They're going to be a part of our body. They're going to make us stronger. We're going to be able to take on more and accomplish more because the body is strengthened by its individual members. There is a distinction amongst these individual members. You see, we're all different. The ears are different than the eyes. The eyes are different than the nose. My hands are different than my feet. We are all different. There's a variety amongst us. I'm glad it's that way. Aren't you? How boring would it be to serve with a bunch of people that are just like you? It'd be awfully boring, wouldn't it? There's a variety to us. 
God has gifted us that way. In fact, that the whole point that Paul's making here in the 12th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, the whole point that he's making ultimately leads into the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. That's where he started out in the early part of chapter 12, and that's where he's going in chapter 13. He's talking about desiring the, the best gift, the more excellent way, which is the gift of love that Jesus has bestowed upon all of us. We're all different. There's a variety to us and a distinction among us. But we all are united and we are used and we are necessary to accomplish the purpose of the body of Christ. You are necessary to accomplishing the purpose of the body of Christ. You might think that you're nothing. You might think that you're the smallest and the weakest in the kingdom of God. You might think that to the world you don't matter at all, but I want you to know that if you are a part of the Lord's church, you are a member of the Lord's church, then what you are is necessary and needed that we might be able to accomplish the purpose for which Christ has purposed us. You're needed. You're not just needed, you're necessary. You're vital. And if it weren't for you, we'd be weaker. I know some of you are visitors, and it applies for you at your home church. If it weren't for you, your home church would be weaker too. Sometimes that variety amongst us, it makes us uncomfortable. Do you know that? We all have different backgrounds and different opinions and biases and ideas, and it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? But I want you to know that sometimes being uncomfortable is good. I was thinking about something today. Let me go back a little bit and I'll tell you what I was thinking about today. My daughter all week has been trying to teach herself to snap. I mean, she's been trying just about to the point that it's drove me crazy. Because, I mean, no matter where we're at, all she's doing is this. I mean, we'd be in line at a store, at a gas station somewhere, and this is all she's doing. I finally had to tell her, listen, I need you to stop. But then she came running up to me and she says, Dad, I got it. And I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know why we can snap? Friction. There's a friction between my middle finger and my thumb. And when that friction goes off against each other, it makes a noise. How could we ever keep the beat without friction? More so, the best that I can tell, every means that we normally use to make a fire involves friction. Whether it's a match, and you strike a match, and you're taking that friction between that box and between that match. Whether it's a lighter, and you're using that lighter, and it causes that friction that makes that spark, but that, flu- that fluid comes out and makes a flame. Whether it's rubbing two sticks together or spinning a, a stick on some leaves. Friction is necessary sometimes, isn't it? We're different. There's a variety of us. And sometimes there's some friction. But if it wasn't for friction, Lila would have never learned how to snap. We're different. God purposed us that way. I praise God that He did. Don't you? (laughs) Oh, all of you are so unique. (laughs) I'll get back to that. We are used for the purpose of the Lord. And I want you to know that the purpose for which we are used is is of the Lord's choosing. Do you hear me? The purpose for which we are used, it is the Lord's to choose that purpose, not ours. And so we must all then be humble and we must all then be subservient to one another. What's subservient mean? That's a big $5 word, isn't it? It's an important word. The reason why it's an important word is because Christ has demonstrated to us how to be subservient because He was made subservient unto the Father. He became an instrument to accomplish the purpose of the Father. And that is what we are. 
We are instruments. We are subservient in that we are instruments that are used to accomplish the Lord's purpose. We are gloves that the Lord puts His hand in. We are tools that are used by that expert craftsman that I talked about earlier. It is His purpose. We are the instruments that He uses to accomplish His purpose. Did you follow that? What an awesome thing it is to be an instrument used of the Lord to accomplish His divine purpose. I texted Haley the week before last. I told her I was proud of her. I told her that whether she realized it or not, that she had had an influence on Olivia that has affected eternity. All Haley was, I told her I was proud of her, but all Haley ultimately was, was an instrument that God used for His divine purpose. Isn't that cool? Think about that for a minute. God chose to use a little teenage girl in Franklin, Indiana to accomplish His divine purpose. That's awesome stuff, people. That we are used by the Lord to accomplish His purpose in eternity. What a tremendous thing for us to be a part of the body of Christ. We're all useful to each other. None of us are redundant. Did you know that? None of us are redundant. I have ten fingers. And you'd say, well, Derek, you've got ten fingers and there's some redundancy there, isn't there? Well, no, there's not. I have a thumb. It's different. I have an index finger. It has its own purpose. I have a middle finger and I have a ring finger and I have a pinky finger. They're all different. And you'd say, well, Derek, you held up two hands when you did that. Wouldn't they be different then or redundant? Well, no. I have a right hand and I have a left hand. You see that? There's not any redundancy to the body. There's not any redundancy to the body of Christ. We are all necessary. We are needed for the good working state of the whole body. And therefore, there should be no division amongst the body. I'm getting somewhere with this. Y'all bear with me for a second. There should be no division amongst the body. We should be closely united with the warmest and strongest bonds of love. And I want you to know that it is this bond of love, this bond of unity, that if Satan can get in and he can begin to weaken that, he can begin to make that to, to decay or to fall apart, that's his goal. Because if he can do that, he can disrupt the full function of the Lord's church. You see that? He wants to get in and mess up our unity. He wants to get in and mess up the love that we have for one another. And if He can do that in the smallest ways, because He also knows that if He can cause one of our members pain, that it will impact the whole. But the Lord has a cure for that. Because He said for us to suffer with one another. That when one of us hurts, that we're to hurt with our brother. That when one of us hurts, that we are to hurt with our sister. And at the same time, that if one of us is made to rejoice, that we would rejoice with our brother or with our sister. He says, Satan, you might try to get in and injure one of these little ones. But what you don't know is that they got a whole pack of love that's going to come to help heal and support them. That's the design of Christ. Suffering together, rejoicing together, knowing that when one of us hurts, Christ hurts. But when one of us rejoices, Christ rejoices. We are one body comprised of individual members. Now I need to ask you as I close, and this might be the longest closing I've ever had, but I need to ask you for a point of personal privilege as I would close. Last month, y'all did something incredibly generous generous for me. I appreciated it very much. Y'all took pieces of paper and you wrote on them things that you appreciated or were grateful for concerning me as your pastor, October's Pastor Appreciation Month. And So y'all did that and you put them in a jar and I want you to know I have that jar sitting on my bookshelf at home now and, and appreciated all the thoughtful comments that were left in that. But I want to return the favor. <coughs> because as I said earlier, each one of you is so precious. You're dear to me. And I want you to know that. 
So what I did is I started writing some things down about all of you. I want you to know how I did it, unless you think that I did it in some particular order. I started in the back left corner from my side, and I worked up this way, and then I went over to this side, and I went down this way, and then I came back up the middle. So Rachel and Reggie went first. I'm thankful for Sister Rachel. Rachel does. That's a different way of saying Rachel's a doer. When there's something that needs done and she sees it, she just jumps in and does it. If you needed any question about that, back earlier on this fall, we were tearing out some of the ornamental grass up here. and I want you to know all the men stood around looking at all that grass and we thought, we're going to need a backhoe. And you know what Rachel did? She grabbed a shovel and she proceeded to dig up all of that ornamental grass over here on this side of the church. That's just what she did. Rachel just does. And I'm thankful for her. And Reggie is solid as they come. I mean that physically. He is a solid guy. But I also mean that in what little bit that I've been able to get to know him. I'm convinced that he's a dependable guy. And he's also a very good cook. <laughs> and I'm thankful for Reggie. <clears throat> Derek and Macy. I've known Macy probably longer than I've known anybody else in terms of being a member at Faith Church. I've watched her grow up from a little girl to a young lady. She's now a mom. She's got a, another baby on the way. And she's got a big old heart. And I'm so thankful for that big old heart that she's got. She's a little old thing, but she's got a big old heart. She has a love and a care for others, and I know where she got it from. She got it honestly. She got it from her great-grandparents. They handed that down to her grandparents, and that got handed down to her mom, and that's not handed down to Macy. And I think we're going to see it in Henry and Alice too. And Derek is a hard worker. He listens, and he's thoughtful, and he challenges me, and he makes me think. And I'm thankful for Derek and Macy. Naya has a world-class smile. Doesn't she? It lights up any room she's ever in. She brings gladness and joy just by flashing her pearly lights. I'm thankful for Sister Naya. Bobby has taught me a ton about serving others, not for the purpose of anyone ever knowing anything about it, but for the joy of serving itself. I've seen him too many times that I can count and he'll be walking by and he'll just reach down and pluck a weed or he'll reach down and pick up some trash. He picks it up and he throws it away and just moves along about his day like that's just what he was supposed to do. Bobby Ralph serves like Jesus did. And he's taught me that. I know Sister Felicia is not here today, but she is one of many examples that we have in the church of persevering and striving even when the world is against you. She has difficulties at home and difficulties at life and reasons that could be excuses if she let them be. Yet she has desired to bring her kids to church, as we all should. And I'm thankful for Sister Felicia. Terry and Becky have a world-class love for each other. They love their kids. And they have built a home together. I've watched them pray for their kids. I've watched them open their home to the, their children's friends. And take them in and treat them just like they're their own. I've seen them interact with their extended family. I've seen Becky interact with Terry's ex-wife Tracy with a love and a compassion. I'm thankful for Terry and Becky. Haley. Teenagers have things stacked against them. I know Haley has had things stacked against her too. She's persevered loss and struggles and friendships and family struggles. Yet, she continues with a smile on her face bringing her friends to church. I'm seeing her grow as a young woman and more importantly as a Christian. And for that, I'm grateful for Sister Haley. Sister Olivia. I've watched Olivia go from having her face in her hands and declaring to me that she can't get saved to a smile that I have yet to see be removed from her face 
from that first moment that she told me she had found the Lord. And now she's about to follow the Lord in baptism. And I want you to know something about this. It's not about being raised in church. It's not about your parents bringing you to church. If you have been raised in church, if your parents are bringing you to church, you are blessed beyond measure. But it's about following the Lord. It's about following the Lord when you know you're lost and you need to be saved. It's about following the Lord after you have been saved that you would continue to serve Him. And it's about living for Him even when the world tells you that you shouldn't. And Sister Olivia is an example of that and I'm grateful for her. Gary and Annette. I've known Gary and Annette about all my life, I guess. They've probably known me, I guess I should say, all my life. And I'm thankful now to work with Brother Gary as an elder here at Faith. We are benefited by having faithful members who are well-versed in doctrine to ensure that we stay on track according to the truth in the Scriptures. And Sister Annette has become pivotal to all the many ministries of the church with her craftiness and her love and skill to teach. And I'm thankful for Brother Gary and Sister Annette. I know that Jordan's not a member of the church. I pray that someday she'll be saved, that she will be. But Jordan, I want you to know I love you, and I'm thankful for you too. You're dear to me. You're special in my heart. Brother Gary and Sister Norma, along with Sister Hazel and Brother Leland and Brother John and Sister B, they are the pinnacle examples that we have at Faith, at faith Church in terms of, of faithfulness and serving the Lord. Gary keeps me grounded. I get going one way too far, Gary just grabbed me and he's pulling me by my collar back the other way. They have opened their homes on more occasions than I can count. I've seen Norma, right after she's finished cleaning up dinner, I walk in and she starts to make me something to eat. Sister Norma is an example of what it means to be hospitable. And I'm thankful for Brother Gary and Sister Norma. Brother Jacob... Like Sister Haley, I've watched Jacob as he's began to grow into a fine young man, a fine servant of the Lord who has a love for the church, who has a love and a desire to be a part of it, to be immense, to, to be, to be deeply embedded within it. He's encouraged us in terms of being together more often, and I'm thankful for Brother Jacob. Brother Christian, when the Browns first started attending here at Faith, I think all of us joined Brother Jeff and Sister Malia in praying for Christian. And their burden for their son, it was met by the grace of God. And we saw Christian saved here at Faith Church a year or so after that on a Sunday night. I bet all of us that were here that night remember it well when Brother Christian got saved. Christian's going to be moving out on his own soon. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for his parents. They have a new burden for their son as he leaves home. And we need to help him and help them in prayer. And I'm confident in the time that I've spent with Brother Christian that he'll continue to serve the Lord. And for Maddie, I don't know if many of you know much about Maddie. I've known just a little bit about her. She's had some challenges in her life that she's overcome. And she has a delightful spirit about her. And she comes willingly with Christian as her boyfriend. And I want you to know I'm grateful for you too, Maddie. Jeff and Malia, the Browns have helped me to grow as a pastor and as a Christian. Jeff has challenged me and forced me to consider different perspectives. He helped us mightily not long after uniting here at Faith Church as we worked towards a new sign. Malia has helped me to think of the reach of Christianity beyond just the four walls of Faith Church. Leah was saved later on in life and she's encouraged me as I would look beyond just what we typically think about when we think about the reach of Christianity. They've opened their home to all of us from everything from church gatherings and Bible studies to my son's first, first birthday party or just the times that we pop in to say hi. Faith Church is better because of Jeff and Malia and I want you to know that I'm thankful for Jeff and Malia Brown. Becky and Rex. Becky's not here. But Becky has shown a resiliency in the face of challenge after challenge in life. And while she would say she hasn't always met them with the grace that she would wish she has met them with, she has leaned on the Lord time and time again. 
I know Rex also isn't a, a member of the church, but he has again and again lent a hand to me and to others. He's, he's lent a hand here at the church, and he has a spirit to help others. Michael, Logan, and Stevie, this trio has kept me on my toes for a long time. From Stevie spending the night with us when Faith was born and watching Barney ad nauseum in his pack and play, to watching Logan play football or watching Michael suddenly going from a young kid painting a pumpkin to a young man that's, young man that's taller than me. These three boys, they bring me energy. And I'm thankful for them. Hannah and Georgia, two young ladies that have had a lot of life dealt with them, yet they keep pressing on. They have had ups and downs that have happened, and they would tell you that sometimes they have failed. But their efforts, when they get knocked down to get back up again and keep going, they are seen by the Lord. I know that Sister Francie isn't here, but Sister Francie has a love for her children that burns white hot. She's known challenges and she's seen her children challenge, challenge, yet she keeps the faith. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I've been in service with Sister Francie where she has not requested prayer for her children. There is more than a few in our midst that are examples of perseverance and faithfulness. And I'm thankful for Sister Francie. Brother Nick and Sister Ashley, these two have challenged me. They've taught me patience and continued love. I've seen them prosper. I've seen them falter. I've seen them leave the church and I've seen them come back. And they've made me a better pastor. And they've strengthened us in the process. And I'm thankful for Brother Nick and Sister Ashley. I know Kevin and Shelly aren't here. I know they often watch online and I hope that they are. Kevin has shown himself to me as a friend who is available at all hours and he's never complained about it. <laughs> and he's one of the best at texting me periodic messages to encourage me. And I appreciate Brother Kevin for that. And Sister Shelley has been open and vulnerable in ways that I've rarely seen. She's born her heart. And she was very thoughtful and generous, especially during the quarantine that it helped us to persevere. And I'm thankful for Kevin and Shelley. I know that the Henningers aren't here but Nick and Sarah have been such an encouragement to me in the short time that they've been coming to Faith Church. It's been a bit of a challenge to them. They're, they're not used to having their children with them in church and wrestling their kiddos. But they have a sweet sense about them and their kiddos just fit like a hand in a glove here. Two images in particular that are etched in my heart since I've been seeing Nick and Sarah and their children has been little Adrian on her knees up here, her hands clasped in front of her, praying. And then Adrian and their daughters coming up to me after service to ask about being in the Christmas play with so much excitement and energy in their heart. Now I want you to know, <clears throat> as I keep going through this, I went in an order where you guys normally sit, so if you're in a different seat, just wait and I'll come back to you. Karen and Kelly. My mom is amongst the most spiritual among us. She's an encourager and a helper, VBS and play director, we're stronger because of Sister Karen, and our worship is better because of her too. My dad has had ups and downs, but he's a success story from where he was a little more than eight years ago, and he's a living testimony of the power of prayer. Brother Chris and Sister Chelsea, they are deeply dedicated, and each of them are uniquely gifted to serve. Chris has helped so many of us in our hours of need. I've watched him. I think he single-handedly just carried my new water heater up my stairs. And Chelsea is such so good at teaching and encouraging, and I'm thankful for them. Brother Craig and Sister Brianna, they often serve with little awareness from others late at night or uh, different times and coming here to the church and taking care of it and getting it ready for us. Uh, to, to come into a clean building and worship in. And they work hard, and they work hard at the small things. They help with the big things, of course, but I know that they work hard at the small things that are unseen. And I'm thankful for them. Brother Brett and Sister Kenzie. Of course, Brett helps us in our singing. And I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful that he gets up with a desire in his heart. Sometimes he doesn't feel like it always but He wants to sing to the Lord. He wants to help us to sing to the Lord. 
And Kinsey is quieter, but her quiet spirit and consistency is an example of supreme faithfulness. And as I thought about Sister Kinsey, you know what I realized? She's a Sister Norma in training. And I think that's awesome. Sister Brittany has been challenged, especially here of late, both in her health and at home. Yet she has displayed a type of resiliency and a love for her boys. And Sister Brittany is going to be starting back to school here in a little while and continuing to move forward in life. And it's a testimony that just because you go through challenges doesn't mean that God is done with you. And God's not done with Sister Brittany. Brother Jeremy and Sister Brightland, I'm amazed at their care for their boys. They have faced some challenges concerning the boys' mother in particular and uncertainty and things in life. And they have a, another baby on the way and we're excited for them for that. Uh, but I'm thankful for the care and the desire that they have to love even when they could be filled with spite or frustration. And they love instead. And I'm thankful for that. Brother Leland and Sister Hazel. Hazel is a soldier for Christ. She is as consistent as the day is long. She is faithful to a fault and sweet as pie. And we learned a few weeks ago that she can worship with the best of them. And Leland is solid in his support. I know his health isn't as good as it used to be, but see, he still has a deep love in his heart for the Lord. Brother Mike and Sister Cindy, Mike has made a big impact on me in a lot of little ways. I can still hear Brother Bobby requesting prayer for his grandchildren when I first started pastoring here at Faith Church, and I can still hear Mike request prayer for Dwayne and Eddie. He has a love for his friends and a love for the people that he's around. That's big, and you can feel it when you're around him with his friends. And one time he covered for me I was at a gun show with him and Brother James and I went in some Saturday jeans. They had holes in them. And somebody said, well, you're a pastor. Why well, you got those holes in your jeans? And Brother Mike said, that's because he spends so much time on his knees praying. He covered for me. I haven't forgot that and I love Brother Mike. And Sister Cindy is about the sweetest that I've ever known anyone to be. She appreciates others. And she appreciates others deeply, no matter their faults. I don't even know if Sister Cindy's aware anybody has faults. Because <laughs> she just appreciates them anyway. And I'm thankful for that. Brother James, he's like his dad. And then he has a love for his friends that's just so big. And I've seen it not just in his prayer request, but I've been around him a lot and I've seen him live it. And there's a difference in having a care for your friends when you just come in and you, you request prayer from others for them. Versus actually showing that care to them in real life every day. And he lives it. We know a lot of the same people me and Brother James do. And I know his love that he has for them. And I admire it. And I'm thankful for Brother James. Brother Corey and Sister Jess. I've obviously known Corey for a long time. He comes from a family of deep faithfulness. And together with Jess, they're raising another generation of that faithfulness. Jess hasn't been around quite as long but she's got a heart that is soft and sensitive to the Lord. And that leads to being effective in serving Him and in serving others. And I'm thankful for Brother Corey and Sister Jess. Sister Tiffany, we've got to skip my wife. Just kidding. She is the giver that I wish I was. She gives constantly. Whether that's time, whether that's talent, whether that's treasure, it does not matter. She gives all the time. And she desires to give in a way that helps others. I'm thankful for her. I included Sister Betty. I know that she's not a member here, but she's with us a lot. Sister Betty is one of a kind. And all God's people said amen. She teaches me joy. She teaches me that I can serve the Lord and laugh and have fun at the same time. To be faithful and smile too. I'm thankful for her. Brother Richard and Sister Kim. I've known Kim a long time. I grew up around her and I've seen her grow into a mom, but something more than a mom too. You see, Sister Kim has Sister B, her grandmother's heart. Which means she doesn't even have to know you to take you in. 
You can be a stranger and you're welcome at the home of Sister Kim Burns. I promise you that. And Richard has taught me to slow down. I've been with his family and the sudden passing of his father, and he comes from a close-knit family. His mother is with us today. They have a close-knit family. And I've seen their deep love for one another. And that when there are things that challenge you, you don't grow apart. You grow closer together. I'm thankful for Brother Richard. Brother Gilbert and Barb. Gilbert probably doesn't know this, but over the last six years or so, God has brought different people into Faith Church. Really kind of one right after the other to fill a gap here. My wife and I were talking about it last night and I don't know if that was the gap that was left by Brother Daryl when Brother Daryl passed away or if that was the gap that was left by Brother Beatty when Brother Beatty passed away. But God has brought different people here to fill that gap. First, there was a gentleman named Jim. He was from Tennessee and a fine man, but there were some situations that didn't allow him to stay, so he, he left. And Not long after that, Brother Roy came. And Roy was special to me. I spent a lot of time with him and his family as he was battling cancer and and ultimately passed away. And We still get to see his wife from time to time. And Not long after Brother Roy passed away, we met Brother Gilbert. And he's picked up that mantle that those two had, had left. And he is dependable. And he has an excitement about the Word. Almost to a fault, when I come in on a Sunday morning, Brother Gilbert says to me, he says, Pastor, where are we at today? He wants to turn over and be ready in his Bible to listen to the message. And I appreciate his excitement about the Word. And he's got a carefulness for others too, and we're better because of Brother Gilbert and his dear wife. He loves her so much. She loves him. And I've seen them take care of each other and help one another. I hadn't known Brother Gilbert very long, and he was up in the hospital and had a treatment for cancer. And I got to be there in that hospital room with them, and I saw their little family and the love that they have. And it is special, and I'm thankful for Brother Gilbert and for Barb. Sister Diane, she's special to us at Faith. She might have the most unique backstory among us, but I don't guess I've ever heard Sister Diane say one single negative thing. She is honest, and she is trustworthy, and she is loving. And sometimes, lots of times actually, after I get done preaching and I've made a whole mess of everything, she looks at me with a smile that only she can give where she kind of tilts her head in that way and she smiles and she'll say, thank you, Brother Derek. And it picks my spirits back up. And I'm thankful for Sister Diane. And last but not least is Brother John. And I'm thankful for Brother John. He's been a mentor to me in a lot of ways. Has helped me. Has encouraged me as a young pastor. His health doesn't allow him to be with us like it used to be. But I know with a certainty in my heart that lets me go forward that Brother John is on his knees and oftentimes praying for me a certain prayer that there would be a hedge of protection that would be built around me where I would be guarded. And there are some times where I want you to know I feel the presence of that hedge around me and I know it's because there's a man in Hope, Indiana that's praying for me. And I'm thankful for Brother John. I may have left somebody out and I hope that I didn't. If I did, I want you to know I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But I love all of you. I love our visitors too. I just didn't know you were going to be here today. But I love you all so much. And you are all so important and so necessary to the function of the body at Faith Church. And some would say, well, Derek, why did you go through all that time? There are some 60 people that I just listed off and I didn't even cover the kids. There are some 60 people that I just listed, listed off. And you'd say, Derek, why, why was that so important? Well, you see, Paul, he was writing to the church in Corinth. And he knew those people. He knew a lot of them. And he knew their struggles and he knew their difficulties. And we see Paul sometimes as he would close out his writings and he would mention certain people by name. And I always thought, could you imagine being there at those churches when they got that letter from Paul and they opened it up and they read it and he got to the end and he mentioned them by name? 
I want you to know that you are important and that you are special. And sometimes even if you don't think I see you or I don't mention you by name, I mention you by name often in prayer to the Lord. And you are deeply, deeply special to me. And you are deeply special and important to faith, church. All of this talk that Paul has exhorted us and all this doctrine that we see in the Bible about being a body of Christ, it is lived out, it is realized by all those people that I just named. That is the body of faith, church. And I'm so thankful for each of you. Now I want to leave you with some encouragement and some challenge. I want to encourage you to go through that same exercise that I just did. It's going to be hard. I won't tell you what my wife said when I told her about what I was doing. Yeah, I will. At first she said, everybody? I said, yeah. And she said, you were able to come up with something for everybody? I said, yeah. It took a lot of time for some of you. Just kidding. But I did. But then I, she said what she was actually meaning. She then said, even me? <laughs> and I said, even you. I want to encourage you to go through what I just did. You can start just like I did. We all stay in about the same seats. Just go up and down the pews. And make you a list of why you're grateful and you're thankful for your brothers and your sisters at Faith Church. It'll change your heart. it'll change your heart. Because you know what? All of us, all of us, we're just human. We have faults. And we make mistakes. We challenge each other. We frustrate each other sometimes. But God has purposed us together. He has fitly joined us together. And when you do what I just did, you will have a love in your heart that will grow so hot and so so full that you just want to wrap your arms around this one body of Christ Jesus. I pray that God would continue to bless Faith Church, that He would give us unity, that He would enable us to serve Him with faithfulness and with joy and with love. And God bless you. Someone on your heart.